0: Well, it's been a bit, but every month we try to check in with the Calgary Zoo's Director of Conservation and Science to talk about all the great conservation work that our zoo is involved with around the world. It's time to do that this morning. Joining us, Dr. Axel Morenschlager. Good morning, Axel. How are you? Good morning. Yeah, just doing great. Thank you. Good to hear from you. It's been a while. Feels like too long, so I'm glad we're able to catch up. And, and you've got a, an interesting topic to talk to us about, and it really timely in humans and in animals, too. We're talking about how they deal with depression. Yeah, inbreeding depression. I that guess that, you can <laughs> understand why they'd be depressed about we the inbreeding part. part. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah, so talking about inbreeding and conservation. And we're going to talk about Elizabeth Ann. But we'll get to that. Okay. So inbreeding is when closely related individuals mate. And in animal populations, inbreeding can have bad effects, such as leading to increases in the susceptibility to diseases, for instance. Now, zoos have ways of trying to get around this when they deal with endangered species. For instance, they come up with the best genetic matches, right? So basically they'll say, okay, this animal should really be breeding with this animal for genetic reasons. One of the things that's sometimes a bit tricky about life maybe, is that just because somebody else thinks that you, you know, they have the perfect partner for you, uh, it might not necessarily be the one that you want. So that's a bit tricky, just because you're the best genetic match might not mean that they necessarily want to get, you know, together with them. So you have to try a few different things. But in general, it, it works out pretty well. Those have gotten very good at this. Um, The only problem is that some endangered species actually become so endangered and so close to extinction that there are actually so few left that you have very few choices, Mm. you know. Makes sense. Yeah, and one of the ones uh, which we've touched on in the past called the sea heck in the indigenous language or the Guam kingfisher otherwise was almost driven to extinction by an invasive brown tree snake in Guam. And, and we've, we've talked about this story a little bit mm-hmm. in the wild, but not actually in terms of what it means within zoos and within breeding. So one has to remember the last 29 individuals of this species were captured in 1988, which is a, you know, a very long time ago. I mean, that's when, like, the Olympics were here, right? So that seems like a long time ago. And this species would be extinct, no doubt, if it wasn't for American zoos and now there are actually 135 left, okay? But we formed a collaborative team with researchers from Spain, Italy, the US, and lead scientists from the London Zoological Society uh, to innovate solutions for the species in general. And one of the things that we really wanted to know is what would be the effect of these birds breeding across so many generations over the span of 30 years from just 29 birds, right? Like how would they be doing now? Mm -hmm like 30 years later. And we just published this in a very nice journal, scientific journal, and uh, sure enough, these birds have something called inbreeding depression. And you can see it in terms of their survival, yeah, and reproduction. So if you look at the little uh, birds, the juveniles, they're actually fine, Um, nothing's wrong with them. But actually when they turn into adults, (laughs) things turn out not to be so good. So for adults with high levels of inbreeding, especially the males, we see uh, much lower survival. So it's actually that your genes, your level of inbreeding, actually makes you more susceptible to dying. I'm wondering, sorry, I I wanted to slip this in because you mentioned, you know, the survival. uh, But are are there, you know, if if, if we're suffering from depression or one of our uh, close friends or family members, we we can see these signals and uh, uh, different telltale signs, if you will. Uh, What are are some of the other signs that you folks look for? Because I I would think it'd be difficult to recognize depression in an animal. Yeah, very, uh, very good. Um, it 's interesting because, of course, with animals you, you can 't ask them easily what 's going on right yeah and so and this is the kind of thing that that the animal itself probably wouldn 't experience in terms of its thoughts or its behavior it 's just something within its body um, so i don 't I don't know if it would be kind of the same thing, but certainly it 's the sort of thing that needs to be addressed. Um, and we address behavior in other ways. For instance, we, we have ways of actually measuring the behavior of animals before releases and even of picking those animals that are most likely to survive. But with these guys, with this inbreeding depression, it actually starts to affect the whole population because, first of all, the adults aren't um, surviving quite as well. And then the other thing that we found is that the mothers, that, uh, those mothers that have high levels of inbreeding hatch fewer chicks. And so what it means is that those captive populations will decline and yeah. can even decline to extinction. And it means that, actually, we need to get these birds out into the wild as soon as possible. Of course, we're together with you know, U.S. partners and such, we're working very hard. To make the conditions in the wild happen, to make that that you know possible once again. And Axel, if, are there are there issues with the offspring of these inbred parents? Because as we know in humans, it can certainly be an issue. Is it the same with the animals, the animal world? Ah, uh, very good. So it would be, wouldn't it? Um, it's funny because we couldn't look at it yet, but because they're one generation down, if they if if their parents are inbred then they will be even more inbred. And so basically, it just keeps going down this cascade, and this means those are great at saving species, and it's, you know, it's in this case, preventing extinction. But there needs to be a time where you get them back out. And this brings me to the second uh, story quickly as well, of Elizabeth Ann. So Elizabeth Ann is about a black-footed ferret. ferret. Black-footed ferrets are the only native wild ferret in North America. And they went extinct in Canada in 1938. Uh, working together with Parks Canada and seven zoos, we were able to actually initiate the first releases of Blackfoot ferrets back into Saskatchewan um, as of 2009. And one of the things about these uh, these animals is they were thought to be extinct in the whole world until the last few were found on one ranch in Wyoming. Okay? And since then, zoos have been able to actually breed them quite successfully, thousands of ferrets. But they actually come from just seven animals, okay, that ever contributed genetically. And so this so you can see the amazing risk for inbreeding depression. Okay. Mm-hmm. But now what's happened is that a consortium of organizations that has just managed to clone the first black footed ferret. Wow. And they did it from skin samples which were collected back in nineteen eighty eight and put into a frozen zoo. And those skin samples were just Uh, used now to make embryos, which were implanted into domestic, like a pet ferret, right, that then gave birth to the endangered species. And this little ferret, born around New Year's, is called Elizabeth Ann. Oh, the science science is incredible. And it's amazing, you know, because, of course, all the other ferrets have been breeding from generation to generation, and, and all ferrets that are otherwise bred are more or less, what we call half siblings—they're okay. half brothers or half sisters—but Elizabeth Ann has been frozen for thirty some years. Oh my! Yeah, you <laughs> put it in perspective thirty years, and so yeah. it's like a—it's like that movie Encino Man uh, with Brendan Fraser, who they—they they dig up and they find a cape. Um and wondering. Wait, I is, is seen it, this one. <laughs> you have to—it's very high quality. Yeah, don't, uh, don't, his, don't waste your time, Axel. I can just imagine. It's twenty twenty one. This is great, uh, but uh, we uh, we we'll have to leave it there for time. But uh, very interesting topic, and you always wow us uh with your your stories and and what the good works that the Calgary Zoo is doing across the globe. Thank you so much Dr. Axel. Thank you so much. Have a great day.